Hello to my Facebook family and friends. This is Bill Allen coming to you after a week or so of respite. Although I'm not sure that respite is the correct word. Joyce and I loved having our kids and grandkids here at our house. And because of that, I've taken a little bit of vacation time and a little bit of time off from these Facebook studies, but we are back at it today. On Sundays, remember, on Sunday afternoons at 4 p.m. on my Facebook page, we uh, do a live Bible study through the book of 1 John. Today we're in chapter 3 and uh, looking at verses 11 through 24. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do a Facebook study uh, from uh, that great passage in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20 on the armor of God. And so I hope that you've been able to enjoy those. I hope that you are able to see them either live here on my Facebook page or you can see them uh, later because we archive them on our westerwin.com uh, social media and live streaming page, like under archives there. And we also uh, have them, of course, on my Facebook page. Just scroll down and you'll find them or on our West Irwin Live and our West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook pages. I share those there uh, after each study, and we have them posted on our website in our archives uh, later after the studies are, are over. And so it is, uh, again, it is great to be back with you. We had an enjoyable time and love, love it on our, our family, and that was a great blessing. And now it is time to get back at it. This morning, back in Bible class with a, a good discussion in our Family Life Center class on worship and praise and how that can build up our faith and also a wonderful worship service this morning we had a great attendance 344 was the official count and that is a, a great great blessing god has been so good to us and we appreciate so much everyone's participation we have many that watch online and worship with us online i think we had 40 online sites in addition to that those who were there in our auditorium so God continues to work, and we continue to do God's work uh, with the power of God and under the guiding hand of His Holy Word and the, the strength that the Holy Spirit gives us. So today, as we continue this First John study, we're looking at this passage that talks about one great truth and two great commands. And so let's go ahead and, and remind ourselves of what Jesus said were the two greatest commands, because they have relevance in this discussion obviously, uh, to love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And as we've already seen earlier in 1 John chapter 3, uh, John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, is very serious about calling us to love each other. So there's a lot of emphasis in uh, this book, in this little letter, about loving our neighbors as ourselves. And Jesus called that the second great commandment. And of course, both of those are based on the great truth that John will remind us of in this passage that we look at this afternoon. John shares throughout 1 John about these two commandments, and in chapter 3, he shares some of the results of that love along with the great truth upon which that love is based. Uh, so welcome to all who are signing on. I see a few great names that are there saying hello, so hello back. Uh, my dear friends, uh, Eric and Jenny, who give me so much encouragement, and, and our dear friends, Joe and Lenny in Arlington, it's wonderful to have you joining us and to have you be a part of our family. We love you both and your family so very much. 
So let's uh, begin then by reading this great passage in 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 11. 1 John 3, 11, For this is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, verse, not, verse 18, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, verse 23, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Well, there's a lot in those verses. And as I've said before, I'm narrowing it down to two great commandments and one great truth. And so let's get started on that first great command that is in this passage, and that, of course, is the command to love one another. Starting in the very first verse that we read, verse 11, this is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. And then later on, this is his command, verse 23, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. There's a little hint at what that second great commandment is. Okay, a big hint. Uh, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Uh, very clear that this command is to love one another. Jesus, again, uses it as the second great commandment, though not asked about the second. He shares the second with the questioner and with all who were hearing that the first commandment to love God is followed quickly and uh, necessarily by the great commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves. And as John is going to tell us, you can't do one without the other. Uh, you just can't love a God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your brother or your sister whom you have seen. The first great command then, to love one another. Much of this passage uh, speaks about what that really means. Uh, what that love of one another looks like and what it does. And that's what a lot of these verses have to comment on. And so we begin in verse 12, right after that statement that we should love one another. Uh, John says, we should not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Uh, and so John is saying, if we don't love others, we are evil. Uh, he goes on to talk a little bit more about Cain. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil. 
and his brothers were righteous. Say a little bit more about that in just a moment, but this is a striking statement that if we don't love others, if we hate a, a, a brother or sister, if we hate someone created in the image of God, we are murderers. And we think, wow, that is, that is a pretty strong statement. But again, it's repeated in verse 15. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Thankfully, all sins can be forgiven, even the sin of murder. But if that is still in your heart, that hate, then Jesus himself had said in the Sermon on the Mount uh, that uh, even though uh, the Old Testament law said to uh, love your brother and to hate your enemy was their understanding of it, Jesus said, no, no, you are to love even your enemies and to pray for them and to wish them well and to help them uh, have uh, uh, things that are good in their lives. So Jesus in Matthew 5 says we're not to hate even our enemies, but rather we are to love all uh, because that's what God does. That's what the Father does, Jesus says, when he says he sends his reign on the just and the unjust. He sends his blessings upon those that serve him and love him and revere him and also on those who don't. And we are called to be like that. Jesus says that as we follow this, we will be like our Father in heaven. And he challenges us in the Sermon on the Mount, especially in Matthew 5, I think, to really take that law seriously and apply it in our lives. Um, uh, it, loving others gives us assurance of our salvation. Uh, verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Uh, that's a very strong statement. And again, later on in this passage, in verses 19 and following, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Well, what is that saying? It's, it's saying that, I think it's saying that we know. Deep down, we know if we're acting in love or at least seeking to be on that path or if we're living a life of hate and spitefulness and selfishness. Uh, John himself writes, as we have said from the beginning of this study in 1 John 5, 13, I'm writing these things to you so that you will know that you are saved. And I think one of the things that we know uh, that helps us to know that we're saved is is if in our hearts we know that we're seeking to serve the Lord. Remember, we've talked about 1 John being a letter that is addressed to two different streams of people with two very opposite needs. One is that group that is sincerely trying to follow God and be obedient to his word and his will. And they need a word of assurance, a word of commendation, and John gives them that. But then there's another group that is not living that way, is living selfishly, is not loving their neighbor as themselves, is not living that life of love and actively uh, serving others and helping others, that they're, they're, they claim that they haven't sinned and they claim that they don't need God and, and the saving blood of Christ. John addresses that group as well. And instead of a word of affirmation and assurance, he gives them a word of confrontation. And, and that's what we see in these verses. When he says, look, if you don't love your brother or your sister, 
If you don't love an, uh, that person created in the image of God by the same God that created you, then you're a murderer. That's a really strong, strong statement. And yet we remember Jesus talking in that Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 and really going deep into our hearts and into our minds and saying, look, what you feel in your heart, what you think in your heart, uh, those things are important and significant. And he says, you have to love your brother or your sister from your heart and seek their good and, and seek their, their um, positive things in their lives and help, help accomplish that as, as much as you can. Um, we are to love others. And that love, that gives us that assurance of salvation because our conscience, our hearts know if we're seeking God or not, if we're living selfishly, or if we're actually doing what Jesus called us to do in Luke 9, and that's denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily, and following him. And following him means loving others and serving others in love, as Galatians 5 puts it. Another thing about this love of others is that the world is threatened by it. And that's that statement in verse 13. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. And that's in that context of that whole discussion of Cain and Abel. And you remember early, early on in Genesis, uh, Adam and Eve have those two sons, Cain and Abel, and they both seek to worship God. And they both seek to bring a sacrifice to God. Um, and I don't think that it's because Cain offered a, a, a sacrifice of, of his, the growth, the plants that he had planted and uh, the fruit of his farming, but rather, and, and that Abel's uh, gift was acceptable because it was a live animal. I, I don't think that was what it was. There doesn't seem to be any indication of that. But what we see in the verses that follow is Cain's intense jealousy in his heart of his brother and his, um, his unwillingness to look to God with humility and to appreciate the good that had happened in his brother's life and change his life so that that same good and that same commendation can happen in his. Remember, we've talked about that passage in our Romans series in Romans 12, verse 15, that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So many times our selfish attitudes will not allow us to be glad at the success or the joy in someone else's life. Instead, we, we feel uh, animosity towards them and jealousy and envy, and, and that, that obviously is, is a sinful heart and a sinful attitude. And that's, that's what leads to what Cain does when he rises up and kills his brother. Amazingly enough, in the first generation of natural-born uh, people after God created us, um, there was a murder because of this rage and this envy that led to uh, him killing his brother. The world is threatened by this. And that's why John says in 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, don't love the world or anything else in the world. Even though Jesus... Uh, uh, says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's a different way, that's a different kind of love. What John is talking about in, in those verses in chapter 2 is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride and selfishness of life. We're not to love worldliness. 
and worldly things, but rather we are to love God and use that love to spur us on to serve others. It's another thing we're going to see over and over again in this passage and in the rest of 1 John. But we get it that the world doesn't understand that and actually feels threatened by that. I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus was put to death, because he loved with such a genuine love. And what that genuine love does is it shines a light on all of those others who are pretending. They're pretenders to be people who love someone else, but rather they're only acting in ways that help their selfish uh, desires and agenda. Jesus never did that. That's that part of denying yourself and taking up your cross. It's what Paul says in Romans 12, is living your life as a living sacrifice. That's an act of worship that we do in everything we say and in everything we do. Just as Colossians 3 verse 17 and 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 and, and really throughout Scripture in the New Testament shares with us. When people see that kind of love, that unselfish, self-sacrificing, agape love that puts the interests and needs of another person above their own, they're threatened by that. Jesus in his prayer in John 17 said, the world has hated his disciples just as the world had hated him. And yet he says, I have sent them into the world to show your love to them, Father. And that's what he has done with us and that's what he has called us to do with this first great command to love one another. Jesus said that that was such a significant thing that the world in John 13, he said, the world would know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And he had said in 1 John uh, that this kind of love is the kind of love that gives itself and loves others the way that God has loved us. And so our love is to be an active love that seeks to help others. And so that great passage in 1 John 3 verses 16 through 18, as I've said before, I love how John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16 fit so well together. In John 3.16, of course, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not die or perish but have everlasting life. We're going to get to that great command to believe in Jesus. But even this command to love, this command to love calls us to act just like God acted by sending his own son. And so 1 John 3 verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And that's exactly what John 3.16 says also. But 1 John 3.16 adds to that and gives you the so what answer. So Jesus laid down his life for us. What does that mean for me? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Just as Jesus has loved us with that ultimate self-sacrificing love that puts the interests and needs and desires of another person above their own the way first corinthians 13 explains we are to love each other that exact way verse 17 if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them how can the love of god be in that person just as biblical faith is an active faith biblical love is an active love it seeks to help we can't always help but when we can we do our very best to try to do that. Why? Because we love God and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And then this great statement in 1 John 3 verse 18, 
Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You know, as I've said before, sometimes we in the church get criticized because people, when they hear us uh, responding to a crisis in the world or a devastating natural disaster or someone who is going through a very hard time in their lives, they hear us say, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And I'm a firm believer that that's a great thing to do and a great thing to say. I do think that it's important for us to keep them in our heart, in our mind, that's those thoughts, but also to keep them in our prayers in a very active, direct way to pray for them. I have been touched many, many times uh, just knowing that there are people who love me and are praying for me. That's a very real comfort, but it can't stop there. Dear friends, let us not love just with words and speech, but in actions and in truth. We're called upon to love in such a way that it moves us to act. That love, just like Jesus' love for us was an active love, <clears throat> our love must be an active love as well. If we don't have that active love and help others, then God's love is not in us, John says here. And if we're not loving with an active love, then our love is not in truth. We're not loving in a truthful, genuine way. Why? Because that's, that's how Jesus loved us. Uh, the first great command is to love one another with that active, helping, serving, sacrificial love that Jesus had for us. The second great command is to believe, to believe in Jesus. Just like John 3.16 says, that if you believe in him, uh, you'll not perish or die, but have everlasting life. John remembers that and shares that in 1 John 3, verses 23 and 24. This is his command, uh, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. John had talked to us about that spirit and he had said that we'll see Jesus as he is uh, because one day we will be like him. Uh, but he also shares that this love is an active love and our faith needs to be an active faith as well. This is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 24, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him. Earlier in the gospel that he wrote in John chapter 14, John had repeated over and over what Jesus had said in writing that in verses 15 and 21 and 23. And all of those statements tied very close together in John 14. Uh, the apostle writes and Jesus himself says, look, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The one who hears my commands and does them, that is the person who loves me. Throughout scripture, and we've talked about this many times, uh, Jesus says, if you love me, then you will be obedient. And we know that we don't have perfect obedience, but just as he had said earlier, do our hearts commend us and assure and give evidence that, yes, even though I have sins and fall short, still I am seeking to be obedient to God. I want to know what his word says, and so I read his word. I read the Bible and try to figure that out and how it applies to me, and then I seek to live my life that way, to do God's word. Throughout John chapter 7, Jesus had said time and time, uh, Matthew chapter 7 rather, Jesus had said time and time again, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
In fact, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, even calling on him as Lord, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, uh, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father is the one who will. And then he tells that story of the wise man and the foolish man, and the difference was the wise man heard the words of Jesus and did them, and the fool did not. Uh, we see that again, time and time again throughout Scripture. In fact, I believe that that's why the New Testament is there, so that we can know what God's commands and how we should live in our lives, how those work together. Uh, I think the New Testament is written to Christians to help us live faithfully. And what does that look like? Well, that means knowing the Word of God as best we can. Granted, even then we have human limitations, so we do the best we can with that. But then seeking to be obedient to that Word. You know, in um, in in Acts chapter 16, as Paul and Silas were singing praises late into the night after being beaten and flogged, uh, falsely accused, and the jailer was listening in, and then the great earthquake, and they were released, but they didn't leave. And they stopped the man from killing himself, and he came to them, and he threw himself at their feet in Acts 16. He said, brothers, what must I do to be saved? And the call came back to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved and your whole household. But it didn't stop there. Then they went on to explain to him, once he took them home and his family, this is what biblical faith is. This is what it means to believe with an obedient faith that leads to salvation. And in Acts chapter 16, we, we read firsthand that that includes baptism. Because that man and his family, that very same hour of the night, were all baptized into Christ. And then they were rejoicing. Why? Because they had come to believe in Jesus. Coming to believe in Jesus in order to have that saving faith, that blood of Jesus that washes away our sins and continually cleanses and purifies us, as 1 John 1 verse 7 had said. Well, to do that, we respond in faith by believing this message, uh, repenting, turning away from our life of sin, getting on a different path, changing, uh, confessing that faith so that others will know and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of our sins and then as romans 6 says we're raised to live a new life and that's what john is talking about throughout most of this letter here's what that new life looks like what does it look like well it looks like loving others the way christ has loved us with an active love it looks like believing in jesus with such an active faith that we seek to live obediently to his word if you don't care what's in the Bible and you don't seek to be obedient to what Jesus has said and what his inspired uh, writers of Scripture have said, do you really, do you really love him? Because Jesus would disagree. Jesus said, if you love me, you will care enough about my will and my word that you'll keep my commandments. Again, not perfectly. That's why he died on the cross for us. But uh, just as John has said, do our hearts condemn us or do they give us assurance that we are on that path seeking to trust and to be obedient to Jesus Christ, just like the old hymn says, trust and obey. Um, if we do not love one another, we do not believe in Jesus, we do not live in God, he does not live in us, 
We do not live according to the spirit he gave us. Uh, that's what uh, John says in that last verse. We know it by the spirit he gave us. And, and we read in Galatians 5 uh, that whole uh, discussion about what it means to love neighbor as self, uh, what it means to live a life contrary to the will of God and live it according to the works or deeds of the flesh. And we also read in that passage what it looks like if we have come to that kind of faith, that active faith and that active love of God to such an extent that our lives are demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, mercy, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness, joy, hope, all of the things that are included in that list and throughout the scripture that remind us that this is what it looks like if a person is living with an active love and an active faith. Well, the great truth, let's close with this great truth. We've talked about the two great commands to believe in Jesus with an active, obedient faith and to love with an active, obedient love, serving others in love. The great truth is that this is all based on is that God loves me. In 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That theme is going to continue throughout the rest of 1 John, especially in chapters 3 and 4. The great truth is that God loves me. And that love leads me to loving others and to serving Christ by serving others. What John is going to say in chapter 4 is that since Jesus so loved us, we also ought to love one another. He's going to say that God is love. And he loves you. And he loves me. And so in response to that, we believe in him, just as these verses have shown. And in response to that, we love. We love him, the great commandment, and we love our neighbor as ourself, the second great commandment that, that is eternally tied to it. The great truth is that God loves me. Our active, genuine love is based on and is a response to the active, genuine love of Christ for us. And so Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2 tells us, to live a life of love as God's dearly loved children. It starts there. Just as he had said in the very first few verses of 1 John 3, uh, it's amazing and incredible that, that we should be called God's children and yet that is what we are. It's amazing and incredible to think that the eternal, uh, perfect, holy, powerful God um, loves us with such a deep and abiding love and yet that is the truth. He does love you. God loves you so much that he did everything possible to save you from your life of sin, even though it meant sacrificing his own son. Our active, genuine love is based on and is a response to the active, genuine love of Christ for us. And that leads us to love him and to believe in him with such an active faith, such an active love that we keep his commandments and we love and serve our neighbors the way Jesus has loved and served us. So throughout the
the rest of uh, uh, the book, especially in 1 John chapter 4, it's more of the same. Why? Because God is love, and God loves us. And because of that, we are to love God. Believing in him with an active faith leads us to love him with an active love that loves not only God, but that loves one another with that same kind of active, obedient, servant love with which Jesus loved us. May God bless us towards that end. Amen.